Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How are you? Good. We had a fancy event this weekend. We did. You know what was really sad about it is we had a lot of people wanting to come, and we couldn't get a big enough room under (laughs) short notice. But, uh, of course, uh, we talked about Bretton Woods. That was a a 50th anniversary of when uh, that policy that was designed to last forever crashed and yeah. burned and and uh, it, the gold standard disappear and the event that I always uh, tell people was really got me excited about speaking out on monetary policy and connected monetary policy with foreign policy yeah. and domestic policy and spending and and just everything a lot more than most people realize and my, and I think the founders sort of understood this because uh, they said Continental money was terrible. It all went to dust. And we want to put some rules in here. Nothing about gold and silver is legal tender. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was a great time. Uh, we had a great crowd, and it was our return to holding conferences after a forced hiatus of last year. We had the great Jim Grant there, and the two of you on stage with Paul Martin Foss was great. And it was really funny for me because it was at a brewery. It was a special room <laughs> in a brewery. And just a moment for me is when Jim Grant leaned over to you, and he said, is it normal for people to be drinking beer this early in the morning? <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. But everyone had a really good time, I think. And I really enjoyed meeting so many great supporters and friends. It turned out real well. And uh, there were days when I think, well, things are opening up, and they have in the last six months. But our governor is coming around. He has to fight some battles. But still, it's, it's a mess. Uh, yeah. why, don't, why is it so hard to re recapture our liberties and cease to yeah. take them away. Yeah. But you know what? After I got home, short time after that, I like to flip channels and see what the conventional wisdom is and see if I have to change my mind on any <laughs> issue. But uh, there was a foreign policy issue going on. It was yeah. all day. And it's been a while, Daniel, since uh, we've had an event happening overseas of great significance. They're happening all the time, and we try to call attention to some of the stupid things we're doing. But yesterday, it couldn't be resisted. Liberals and conservatives had to talk about Afghanistan. And, uh, of course, that was a, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, an event uh, that was uh, dated, you know, yeah. 20 years. Yeah. We've been there 20 years and, uh, and, and leaving. And, and guess what? They added up the score and we lost. Yeah. We lost another one. And, uh, of course, it brought back memories uh, about the uh, rescue operation at the end of, uh, uh, of the Vietnam War. Yeah. But, you know, I was looking at that, uh, the escape at the last minute, uh, that line of people trying to get on that little helico- helicopter. Yeah. Uh, what, what was going on there, it was in 1975, and uh, Ford was president, and <clears throat> we had already evacuated. You know, we were, we were, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we evacuated two years before that. We oh. had our military out. So a lot of times we say, let's get the military out and we'll maintain a force that's quiet, which we always object to. You know, if you want to get out, you just get out. Yeah. But anyway, the tr- there were b- people in there, military people, CIA people and whatnot. So the Vietnamese, the, the, uh, the communists did not like that. Yeah. And, they, and they finally said, you guys are leaving. And that was the final blow. But the point I'm making is when you leave, you ought to leave. And you uh, maybe, maybe we can emphasize some 
lessons on leaving, and our yeah. friend McGregor had a few suggestions on what to do. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of times it's so discouraging to, to lose out, but the, the most that we should do, even, even when I talked about the tragedies of the uh, wars in the Middle East, I always try, try, try to get people to say, well, we have to get a lesson from yeah, this. You yeah. know, a lot of times they would argue and they say, we can't leave, we can't leave. The one that aggravated me the most is we can't lose face. Yeah. yeah, we lose tens of thousands of people and kill a million. And they say, well, we can't waste those lives in the past. Well, they're already wasted. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, there are lessons to be learned. And um, once again, uh, McGregor tried to prevent some of this, but that didn't work out so well. Yeah, we can talk about that too. But you know, so much for Biden's victory parade. <laughs> We're supposed to have a 9/11 20-year victory parade. That probably not going to be the event that he was hoping for. And also so much for the intelligence community, which told us, well, Kabul might fall in 90 days. Well, it turned into 90 minutes. <laughs> and that's what we always say. This is how regimes fall. This is how empires fall. This is how paradigms change and shift. It happens quickly all of a sudden. The center can't hold, can no longer hold. Perhaps our own economic or other collapse may happen in just a similar way when the checks don't get cashed. But it was a dramatic moment. Uh, it was an incredible moment. Uh, people scrambling, people trying to literally hanging on to the landing gear of the, uh, of the military transport aircraft, and some of them actually falling off to their deaths. Wow. Awful, awful scenes, <coughs> but it was all predictable, right? Right. But, but, you know, the other factor here that we've talked about in the past is uh, how, do, how do forces that seem not to have a chance of victory taking on powerful nations like our colonists did with the British Empire yeah. and and I think it's uh, it's the issue of the homeland you know when p people are seen as outsiders invading the homeland yes lifestyles and philosophy and all this is something but there's something very attractive it's sort of like your own home you don't like the government coming in and tell you what you do in your own house i wish they would uh, look at that more carefully these days but uh, i think that was part part of this uh, you know uh this the Af afghans and, and this uh, this has been known for a long time yeah. history has shown that they're a type of people who just want to be left alone and if they're making their mistakes they're going to suffer their own consequences they ought to People ought to back off and say, yes, there, there could be and should be changes on their attitudes. But it has to be totally voluntary and by others set an example. But to use force and use 20 years, 20 years. and $2 trillion and $88 billion to build the army, <laughs> an army, a local army that will guarantee that they will have a democracy like the United States. Yeah. The money didn't go very well. It didn't, uh, didn't buy us very much. It didn't. Well, I noticed a couple of absurdities that I wanted to put up, Dr. Paul. The first one, I think, says everything you need to know about the vapidness of the mainstream media. If we can put up that first clip. Here's CNN. The reporter, from one day to the next, put on some head coverings. Here's what she reported, the CNN reporter. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> CNN. CNN. And the other one is just to show this is literally a month before the fall of Kabul. And this just goes to show that our U.S. Embassy there had its priorities in order. Let's look at this next clip. The priorities were straight. U.S. Embassy Kabul flying the rainbow flag. They're, they were focused on virtue signaling and focused on social engineering and celebrating Pride Month 
Meanwhile, they were about ready to get overthrown. Oh, yeah. you know? And the last one, sorry to, to do this, Dr. Paul, but the next one just shows everything's wrong with the political class in America. I know you don't like naming names, but this one deserves to be named. If we can look at that next clip. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, he's furious that we're leaving. It's only been 20 years. He says what will unfold in Afghanistan will be a humanitarian crisis. The regime that is taking power is one that routinely violates human rights, particularly the rights of women. Afghan women who have voted, gone to school, and lived independently for 20 years will suffer the most. So according to GOP leader McCarthy, we should just stay forever so there that the women go. can vote. But the blame game is going to go on, and uh, I think it's dividing Democrats right now. You, you know, there aren't there that many progressive, principled progressive left. Maybe Bill Maher's coming back into the <laughs> fold in opposing some of this, <clears throat> some of this nonsense. But you know, the Democrats are sort of split, and they want to support the president, but that's getting more difficult. And uh, also, you just pointed out uh, this is this is bipartisan. Partisan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, McCarthy's objecting. Yeah, but he wasn't objected when they were voting to send him. And uh, we, there were there were comments during the Trump administration about, you know, a different type of foreign policy. But it didn't end up with it. It was always more and more and more, which was a reflection of our friends, you know, in the military industrial complex. They are really talented in keeping war going and keeping the money flowing. That's the thing about someone like McCarthy, and there are plenty more like him, and we're not just picking on him. But it's this idea that they wrap this whole thing in the flag, but if this is not the misuse of the military, I don't know what is. Sending our military to occupy a foreign country for two decades so that, so that they have a better human rights record or something, it's just, it really is a misuse, and it says everything about it. But you mentioned something about an article we both read from our friend uh, Colonel Doug uh, McGregor, uh, and I think it had some great points to be made. Uh, you know, yeah, it, you know, he um, he's been our friend and uh, he's worked with us. I believe he's been on our program he's and our we, did, we yeah. did a lot. And I think we did help uh, to get uh, President Trump's attention. Yeah. And uh, he uh, is very interested. But he's good because he understands the philosophy, but his total emphasis isn't there. He becomes uh, a little more pragmatic, which is important, too, to make sure that the movement moves in our direction. Uh, which we could support. So he he did have a plan, but uh, didn't get very far, did it? It was fascinating. He told this story himself before, and he's 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 also told to me. But he, you know, he came in at the very last moments of the of the Trump presidency. He had been nominated to be ambassador to Germany, but that didn't go anywhere because Trump didn't fight for him. So he nominated him at the very end to be a special advisor to the Secretary of Defense. Uh, and what he did is he came up with a plan and he wrote down a very specific plan here, Mr. President, is how we can get out of Afghanistan right now. And the president looked at it and was very impressed and he signed a national security directive. It was off to the races. We were going to get out of there. Finally, after all this time, well, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the president's national security advisor said, Mr. President, you can't do this, you can't do this. And sadly, as usual, the story of the Trump presidency, he got cold feet, he backed off, he let it go. And so the idea now that he's attacking Biden for finally getting out, it's a little bit rich, I think. You know, uh, we're talking a lot about what happened then and getting out and the problems we're seeing today. But I want to just touch for a sh short moment about how it really got started. Of course, 9-11 had a lot to do with it, and which was a major, if not the major, domestic military event we had, yeah. you know, uh, with that, that attack. And... Um, 
the one of the first things the Congress did was uh, they came up with this idea that the American people had to be reined in. Yeah. So they so they rushed the Patriot Act through. And I was jokingly been being very cynical. I said they went to the drawer <laughs> and they say, well, oh, we have an emergency here. Let's pull this. Oh, yeah, we have this Patriot Act. We've been trying for a long time, uh, you know, to do something. So uh, the Patriot Act just sailed through. Uh, but also this whole thing about uh, the authority to use military force yeah. uh, it has been totally abused, which, uh, uh, which means that even when you write it into law or write it into the Constitution, you can't trust them. That's the, that's the problem that we have today. But uh, they, they use this to, to go in. We went in with massive forces. It looks like we, the Taliban run for the hills and it looked like it was all over and it would be smooth sailing and they would be uh, Democrats forever and there would be peace in, in, in Afghanistan. And for one time, the old saying that uh, nobody will ever defeat the tribes in Afghanistan. Well, that wasn't true. But what was was true is they got things mixed up. The Patriot Act was designed to watch out for the Taliban coming here yeah. and watching for the terrorism and where is the Al-Qaeda? Of course, uh, people don't realize that the ta Taliban's not the Al-Qaeda. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, they were mixing it up, but at the same time they were saying the Al-Qaeda is really in Iraq, which wasn't true either, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. But that was part of it. But but you you'd think uh, on the surface it looked like well, he's he wants a war. They want a war. They'll they'll do it with Iraq. But no, they all of a sudden no. It's it's Afghanistan yeah. that they had to go in, and I remember very clearly some people I uh, was reading and studying. It doesn't mean it was proof, but my suspicions were, my intuition was that after we got in there, the main goal of what we were doing was uh, to find a haven for Bin Laden. Yeah. But that may be way over the top, but essentially happened. You know, they, they had them at Tora Bora. They yeah. had them surrounded, and it was a mountain area yeah. where they had them. And all of a sudden, we can't find them. We can't find them. How long did it take? Years and years, they find them. Oh, he's in Pakistan. Yeah. You know, there, that's where he is. So, you know, the policies uh, and the distortions are so great, but to justify moving the troops, they have to have something. And we do know that the pressure came, uh, you know, from the military industrial complex and others. It, and it was very, the support was very, very bipartisan, you know, yeah. they, they, they're not going to challenge that. And, and just like uh, right now, even though McCarthy and, and some Democrats are fussing, uh, it, it doesn't look like it's going to change policy. I think uh, this is going to continue. If you look at all the places where, you know, we don't have the marching troops in there, we don't have the tanks, but we have, we a few people there as advisors. Yeah. And that's why Doug McGregor's piece is really good. It's in today's American conservative. It's definitely worth reading. It's about all the uniformed officers who never spoke up, who never had the courage to say this is wrong, who never had the courage to really put America first. It's a great piece. But you know, I remember back then, Dr. Paul, when you, you had a solution that you put forth and you put forth the idea, and you wrote about this in your column this week, uh, you put forth the idea of, of letters of mark and reprisal. If we identify the people who were involved in the attack, well, let's go get them. And of course, at the time, everyone laughed. Oh, <laughs> that Ron Paul, he's so kooky. Where does he come up with these ideas? <laughs> and it's very funny this morning, and, and yeah, I don't want to embarrass you, but 
Uh, it's very funny this morning that you've been tre uh, trending on Twitter all morning with Ron Paul was right, and everyone's <laughs> putting up your speeches from the time. Uh, they didn't want to hear that back then because they wanted a good old war. And, and people will say, how can you use that? That was that old history, and they never really used it. And the, this is the Taliban and this sort of thing. And uh, uh, the, the explanation for this is, is very, very simply that if you do have it, but it isn't what they're doing is they're sort of deputizing free, uh, you know, private industries. And, uh, and they started by protecting shipping. Yeah. You know, the shipping said that people could be a legal entity of the government and uh, it would be recognized. It was internationally recognized. It, and the Congress had to approve it. It wasn't like a bunch of people got up and they had yeah. a private force that they could do over and invade in the name of the United States. Yeah. Like they can't, they can't say... Anything we were doing that had a, had a remote relationship to market reprisal. So the principle, I think, is very good. Uh, there, there's, there's the possibility, uh, but somebody could sit down and make a case for uh, maybe uh, deputizing some people to get Adolf Hitler. Yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. But it wouldn't be, what do we do? We, we have a policy now, uh, I think it was started with Obama, of uh, murdering American citizens yeah. without even charges or trials or anything else, just often kill them. Yeah. And, uh, and yet that killing individuals that are a real threat, you know, is a big deal. And the best re, uh, restraint could be that uh, there has to be a, a vote in the Congress. It has to be overwhelming uh, in support of this. But uh, I think the, uh, uh, the, the it, back then, the, the origination of that was uh, for piracy, you yeah. know, uh, and this freedom of the seas. And, of course, what amazes me is that they carried that and they and they used that uh, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, right? And we were, our government was only a couple years old. Yeah. And I keep thinking, that's still a long way off for me yeah. <laughs> to, to do it. But anyway, uh, they did use it, the principles there, uh, and... Uh, and we didn't get our bill passed. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it may have actually worked very well to get the bad guys, but the problem is there were a lot of mansions built in McLean on the back of this 20-year war. There's a lot of profiteering, and if they had just gone out and taken out the bad guys, there wouldn't have been all that money going into the pockets of the connected. Uh -huh. Do you want to actually, this is a similar thing, do you want to move on to this next one? Because another creation of the post-9-11 world, was the Department of Homeland Security, which you also <laughs> opposed very rigorously at the time. You said you warned they're going to not go against the bad guys. They're going to eventually turn against us. This is literally something that came out over the weekend. If we can look at that next clip. This is from the Department of Homeland Security. They're issuing a new terrorist alert. <laughs> Here are the potential terror threats that we must look out for. Opposition to COVID measures. Get your jab. Claims of election fraud, belief that Trump can be reinstated, the 9-11 anniversary, and upcoming religious holidays. These are all terrorist threats. What do you think, Dr. Paul? I wonder where this all came from. <laughs> that really morphed into something very much worse than I dreamed, that it would be such public policy. Now, and this this was uh, in te on regular television. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you'd wonder whether anybody 
tends to be impressed with this and start looking at these issues a little bit differently. That's the yeah. only thing that really counts. But of course, if uh, if we don't call attention to it, they're the ones who are using it for propaganda. They think it's to the be their benefit. Yeah. And we're hoping and praying this will wake up Americans. You know that that the, these plans don't just pop out of thin air. They usually get the authority. You know, like like the story about the Patriot Act. I thought that was horrible. They had written that years before, yeah. but they were waiting for an opportunity. There's an emergency, and uh, there will be another emergency. Uh, uh, it's uh, maybe maybe this will pass, and we, there won't be any more major killing uh, yeah. in the near future in Afghanistan. But I tell you what, long term, we haven't given up our empire one yeah. bit. It, it's uh, it's losing some credibility, and that is good. But uh, the empire is still entrenched. We still have a lot of money, and as long as the dollar holds up as the world uh, reserve currency, we're going to get away with this. And uh, uh, but uh, the, 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 there's a t time when it, we won't get away with it, and we'll have to change our ways. And I honestly didn't believe this was true. As cynical as I am, I thought this is a hoax. Uh, so I went and I looked, and I found the original clip from NBC News. It actually is a Homeland Security report. So. <laughs> You know, you are potentially a terrorist if you prefer ivermectin <laughs> over getting a shot. Yeah, it's, it's very bad news. Well, we have a couple of other uh, small ones that we're going to talk about a little bit yeah, today. Yeah, this, uh, this we could almost make entertaining, uh, <laughs> scare, scare ways or in a, in a scary way. But um, one of our least favorite prime ministers, and we have several. Yeah, we have several. <laughs> we have several. And we, we want people to be tolerant, but uh, sometimes if you tolerate evil, that's not good either. Yeah. But uh, I don't know all the details of this uh, uh, prime minister, but the one I'm talking about is United Kingdom. Yeah. They have a guy over there that uh, is, is a controversial, even in the regular media, Boris Johnson. And... Uh, he wants to be involved, and uh, now, now the announcement from over the weekend is um, Johnson wants to recall Parliament from summer recess over the Afghan issue. <laughs> I wonder what he wants to do. Is he going to is he want to stir up trouble, or is he going to send in a plane to help carry him out? But he has some troops over there, uh, and maybe secretly they'll uh, have the next plan on where we're going to park these uh, uh, these people who are, are not going to act like they're pro-American and this sort of thing. But I thought. That that's really that's really not going to give me a sigh of relief and say, ah, good. Now we can relax. <laughs> Johnson is going to take care of the problem. He'll probably bring the troops home and put them out against his own people who are avoiding his restrictions. Oh boy! In fact, I think you had a report out of the UK about the lockdowns, if I'm not mistaken, over over there on the yeah. side that you were going to bring up because that's another oh, sick yeah. report. This this is. But it, it goes along with us trying to point out the medical complications yeah. of what's going on. Lockdown created one million new alcoholics in England. Wow. You know, they, that must be a characteristic of authoritarianism and even Marxism because it, I don't hear the same sayings. I'm sure they still have alcoholics in Russia. Yeah. But, but I guess it's not quite like it was when they, they were totally destitute uh, under the Soviet uh, you know, uh, empire, you know, when they held 
about it. But here it is, new alcohol, alcoholics under these Million. conditions. And uh, who's the enemy? If their government's the yeah. enemy. They're the ones who have imprisoned, imprisoned their people. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what's happening here. But a lot of people don't want to use those words. They can still find a statistic that 51% of the people say lockdown is good, you yeah. know, and therefore it's okay. And the majority rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, alcoholism is a long-term, you know, a long-term illness that takes people's lives. But against a, a virus that has a 99% chance of recovery, I guess they feel that it's worth it. It's, uh, yeah. it's so bad news. Uh, there's a little, we have uh, an update, yeah. A little update on, uh, on Texas uh, Supreme Court temporary block, the, uh, the mask mandate uh, issue. So it was a victory for uh, the governor. Yeah, temporary victory. Hopefully Tem it's permanent. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a, at, least, at least he's on the surface fighting for our side and it's too bad that we got so far along. But uh, there's still people that are cheering him on to hope he wins this. And boy, some of the stories from the teachers, it's just really heartbreaking on, on uh, the stories they tell and the suicides that still go on. Uh, but it isn't only the United States and uh, in England. Uh, our friends in Sydney, Australia, still they're fighting that too. And I've just been disappointed with Australia. I thought maybe they were sort of like Texas or yeah, something. Yeah, but it doesn't yeah. doesn't turn out like that. COVID in Sydney. They think the solution comes from they just need to use more of their own military yeah. uh, to use military force to enforce quarantines. Yeah. And you know the. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, vaccine passports, and and that of course is our greatest danger, is that movement. Uh, and there was a suggestion that eventually they would like to see in this country that the vaccine passport be used interstate. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a, that's pretty bold. Uh, I, and I, it's a mixed thing. I always hope. I hope this is so bad that it's going to wake up, you know, many more millions of people and say, "Hey, this is going too far." But we don't know what will happen there. It remains to be seen. I mean, there were reports over the weekend that <clears throat> Biden was considering requiring vaccinations to be able to tra travel interstate. Right. That is, that is terrifying. Well, <clears throat> I think that's about all we have today. If Okay, that, that is sounds good. We're uh, okay. Um, no, I, I just want to finish once again where we started. Yeah. <laughs> Thanking the people, certainly the viewers here. I am positive that some of the people who attended uh, our conference, uh, uh, you know, are viewing this program, and I want to thank them for coming. And once again, uh, recognize the fact that uh, we could have had a, la a larger crowd, but the rooms weren't available. We eked out our first conference since uh, COVID uh, nonsense started. And uh, even with our conference in Virginia, um, Daniel, Daniel should be in the advertising business uh, because he puts it out. And I said, do you think anybody will come? I'm always sort of conservative on this. How, what, what if we don't have anybody come to our conferences? And uh, so he gets out there and he tells you about it. And next morning he says, 24 hours, guess how many people have? We filled the room. <laughs> so well, that, that is good because you have to have uh, some ideas that are popular popular for the people and uh, and and that's the only real weapon we have 
is popularizing certain issues and telling the truth is not uh, the goal. The goal goal has never been for me personally to get everybody to agree with everything that we do. No, that that isn't it. It should be an agreement that people get to do whatever they want, even if you disagree with it, if they're not hurting anybody. That's the wonderful thing about the message. It's uh, it's the legalization of pro-choices in everything in everything that we do. Uh, so this is uh, this is this volunteerism is so astounding because it releases the creative energy that we need to produce the peace and the prosperity, and uh, it should attract moderates and progressives that work as long as they want to give. This is the tough part. They want to. They have to give up this idea that government should be used to initiate force to have their way at the punishment of others. And some people want to do that on economic terms, and some people want to do that on social terms to use the power and authority of government to have their way. And uh, yes, I know it doesn't sound like a, a great leap. Just allow people to do what they want and uh, just leave them alone. I think that's where the prosperity would come from because, you know, the first thing is you wouldn't have an income tax and uh, you you would uh, be able to make all the decisions on economic matters, how you want to spend your money, and uh, you wouldn't have to worry about uh, when is the next Vietnam War or any war where the draft is going to be available. But they're always sending our money overseas. There's always an authoritarian approach to force results of, uh, of the people who want to run our lives on them. But I think for sure that the American people, if they ever heard the message of liberty and put it up against the thugs who prevent, presents this Marxism, and right now the ones behind cultural Marxism are guilty of being t- tremendously opposed to the principles of liberty. We are trying to persuade people to just get rid of that idea and think more positively about what it's like to live in a free society. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.